You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 57. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. So remember to leave us a five-star review. Uh, because that helps us get found by more listeners. So please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. Well, hello, Governor. I'm Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I can help it. Sorry. Uh, Anyway, I'm joined by my co-host, my barbecue-loving Texan co-host from uh, Texas, obviously. (laughs) Welcome, Jasmine. Good grief. What an introduction. (laughs) Barbecue lemon. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm I'm down for a good like occasional barbecue. I don't really have barbecue like at restaurants. Usually it's a family kind of thing. But uh yeah, I mean I, I enjoy my fair share of barbecue. Tis the season. It is the summer. It's a perfect oh. summer food. Whiskey loving. Yeah, I do love my whiskey. I can't, can't deny that one. <laughs> okay, I do I'll, love I'll the whiskey. Switch it up. No, I love um <laughs> I love Jack Daniels. Like definitely a JD man myself anyway for this week's review we're tackling the ninth installment of the epic action franchise fast and the furious nine vroom vroom oh wow vroom, vroom. we are <laughs> i mean complete with like promos and sound effects like we are really hot shit you guys oh, yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. spoiler warning this is a review show if you have not seen f9 or the eight films that came before it if i were to pause this and come back later because uh we're not holding anything back we're uh, ready to tackle this franchise <laughs> yeah. and um, <laughs> and evaluate every stone <laughs> and corner like, of this epic movie. We're so, leaving no no ten second car unflipped. We're flipping everything, or, and we're going through this movie quarter of a mile at a time. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed. Yeah. And if you didn't understand any of those references, you are in the wrong place. You need to go back, you need to go back 20 years and go yeah. from the fast, 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 fast and furious. Yeah, seriously. Which actually, like, that's kind of funny. I'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, so welcome to the show. We are normally quite well behaved and hopefully we'll work. Are we though? Not, not oh, always. No, not always. Actually, some of it you leave edited out. Like, <laughs> this, so, is true. this is true. <laughs> when it gets a bit stupid. So I, I try um, to make us seem as normal as possible, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes that crazy right. seeps through. I'd like to add if I sound a little bit better, it's because I've got a better mic. Yeah, like, so fancy. I know, I know. I know it's the last few weeks I've been getting echoey and echoier and I've had to uh, empty the coffers because I was getting annoyed with hearing myself when I listened back. And um, not that I love hearing my own voice anyway, but I really disliked hearing the echo I could pick up. So yeah. please let me know if I sound better. So um, <laughs> hopefully I do. Anyway, um, before we jump into our rest of the show i do want to shout out my excitement for a piece of news that came out this week um ben riley's return in september to amazing spider-man um i think we've seen some really positive reaction to the clone taking back the mantle and um this probably doesn't mean anything to you jasmine but as a comic book fan i i'm getting more and more excited by the day that ben riley is coming back so listen i'm happy that you're happy yeah, uh, well, so look, <laughs> when I when I was in the when I was back in the nineties, one of my friends introduced me to comics. I remember him telling me about um, 
I remember watching the 1994, I think it was 94, Spider-Man, the animated series cartoon. And I, I also always loved Spider-Man even growing up, even before I even read a comic. And then one, this guy in my art class tells me that he collects comics and all this and starts telling me about the clone saga and how it turns out Peter Parker's a clone and, and all these years, all the Peter Parker we know. And then this this other guy, Ben Ryan, he's like the real Spider-Man. Anyway, so I ended up going to this comic. That's how I ended up going to a comic shop because I was like, what the hell? And that's, so my first ever Spider-Man was Ben Riley, who took over the mentors um, Spider-Man. Anyway, it all turned out as misdirection and Ben Riley was actually the clone and Peter was the real real Dun, man. Dun, dun. And, uh, but it went on for way too long and uh, Clone Saga was heavily criticised, but I loved all of it. Um, I didn't read every issue, but I read most of it, most of that run. Uh, and I've always, um, they killed Ben off eventually, brought him back recently, and because um, obviously it's comics, and no one's dead, even if there is a dead body, even if yeah. it has been decapitated, pretty much. <laughs> you, can, you, you can come back in comics, that doesn't matter. And... Um, but yeah, they brought him back recently. But now that they get, he's actually going to be taking over the mantle of Spider-Man. I'm, I'm well chuffed. And um, there was a comment on our Instagram post actually going, I've been looking for a jumping on point. Um, this will be a jumping on point for people. There's always jumping on points here and there. But no, I'm just really excited. So so when when does this kick off to jump into uh, it? It's in um, September. September. All right. Yeah, not far to go. So And uh, it's going out three times a month, though. So... Be prepared to yeah. uh, drop your Spider-Man Wonga. Watch about. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> three times a month. Uh, Damn, that's. I, a... I'm sure that it's not going to be. I'm, I'm I'm assuming that if it's three three times a month, it's probably going to be like a three dollar book or something like that. I'm sure it's not going to be like a lot. Like I'm sure they're not going to drop a four or five dollar book three times a month. Um, although it's only I, DC. I hardly DC, ever D- see them do three anything under three ninety nine. So. Oh yeah, well maybe okay. So so for me, sorry, it'd be like three pounds. So yeah, maybe it's three ninety nine for you. So three pounds for me. But yeah. but equally, DC are the only ones dropping the real expensive books. Yeah, the month, eight nine dollar so. books. Oh yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I think we both we've both agreed, um, and we've kind of like we're not going to spoil too much. We've got a bit of a lineup for you. We've actually we've written out a probably I would say eighty percent lineup till january before we're going to get planned and you won't be hearing or seeing us review single issues anymore spoiler there for you um we're going to be any reviews for comics now will be graphic novels and um we want just a little bit more content to sink our teeth into that's a teeth teeth really teeth teeth more more content to seek our teeth into good grief and i haven't Uh, even been drinking today Maybe you've been drinking so much you forgot you've been drinking. No, no. <laughs> I, um, I, this whole week, man, haven't had a drink all week. You wow. know, I've had a couple. I've had a couple of ciders earlier, but it was quite a few hours ago. So, although I never, although ciders to me, ciders to me are just like drinking soft drinks. Like they just, they're just nice drinks, but they don't. Well, it's just well, it's just like a regular beer here, not like fancy beer because it's only three and a half or four percent alcohol so yeah oh yeah what i mean is it's so light yeah yeah you know, like it probably would take me drinking about 20 of them to actually feel something <laughs> so yeah. although we don't <laughs> encourage that oh well i have never done it but like, <laughs> um anyway so versus this oh, week's man. versus this, this week mark yelled at me this week guys i just want to know that hold mark on. yelled Sorry, at me on. 
before we say what it was, Skeletor versus Shredder. So that's the 80s cartoon Skeletor versus the 80s cartoon Shredder. Not the movie ones. Yeah. If we ever do those, there'll be a separate one. But this is the cartoon yeah. Shredder and Skeletor. Well, I picked um, one and then I changed my mind. And Mark was like, you can't change your mind. Damn it. <laughs> no take backs. No take backs. So, okay, let's ignore all that. Who Like, a start fresh. Who, who, who wins? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my changed answer. I I'm still I'm gonna go with Shredder. I'm gonna go with Shredder. You know, do you know what I was thinking about this and I, I probably would go with Shredder. So But that's I, not I, what the people said. No, no, no. We it was overwhelming yeah. Skeletor. Skeletor won. It, the percentages, it was about 80-20 Skeletor. Yeah. Most of the comments were Skeletor. Yeah. But I think Shredder. So I don't get me wrong, they're both fairly lame villains. <laughs> like, Excuse you, but, Shredder is actually very scary. But I think between the two of them, I think Shredder would have the the, the advantage. I and think I'm not Shredder is just a little bit more conniving than Skeletor. Skeletor is kind of obvious in, in his things, and Shredder is a little more clandestine. And I think if it really came down to it, Shredder's got Krang, who's got a Technodrome. I mean, Skeletor's <laughs> got Skeletor's got. He's got magic. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that got Technodrome magic. will be running over him. Like, oh, well, it's, but anyway, it's a tough one. This was a, this was a good battle, though. This was a good. It struck up a lot of conversation in the comments. But I think Shredder, though, really, you know, with hopefully his martial arts skills, could take Shredder uh, Skeletor down. I think. I think at well, cartoon wise, it's hard to say. Live action wise, no contest. Shredder beats the crap out of Skeletor live action. You haven't seen the movie. I would probably go with live action being Skeletor. No. We'll, we'll come back to this <laughs> <laughs> once you've seen the movie, which okay, I, okay. which which we'll will be happening. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Let's uh, flip this over to our news uh so in our weekly news we grab a couple of things that we like to chat about like we don't obviously review the entire week but we grab a couple of things that are like interesting topics and for the first one i just couldn't believe the headline um so (laughs) a for a former microsoft employee has stolen over 10 million us dollars in xbox gift cards so that's um extreme I'm going to struggle with his name. Uh, Volod, Volod, something. Volodmir Kvashik. Yeah. Okay. So he's a former software engineer at Microsoft. He, he initially was hired in 2016. Uh, he was testing their e-commerce infrastructure and um, part of his duties included making purchases using fake accounts to see if there was bugs and glitches and stuff like that. And as part of that, he discovered one, which basically he was hired to do a job, found, found, found a, glitch, a glitch, and then didn't tell And anybody. then decided not to tell Microsoft about it. I mean... You're hired to do a job. You yeah. find the problem, right? And then think, do you know what? I'm not going to tell them. Yeah, so, I'm going like, to see what I can do with this. Yeah, and he he did he did he did, he did see what he could do with it. Oh, so man. he then he used that money 
to sell it basically went and sold the gift cards online and discounted rates and obviously he's making some good money and putting the money into bitcoin and then he kind of was drawing the money down from bitcoin but he decided to draw down i think it was like two and a half million um and then when he failed his fake tax returns he said it was like a some sort of inheritance or something like that that clearly raised some flags with your your irs and um yeah so i don't know um, why people continue to underestimate the irs because as much as the fbi tried to get al capone it was his taxes that brought him down so don't fuck with the irs man no government wants to lose out on their tax so so anyway he was fired from microsoft 2018 um, and then in my, uh, February 2020, he was convicted of 18 federal felonies, faces deportation back to the Ukraine, and is going to have to pay 8.3 million US dollars in damages. <laughs> um, That's a ridiculous current, amount of money. Like, I mean, I don't think they're going to see that money, are they? Um, and then cu- he's currently in prison, and he's um, slated to be released in March 2027. And I'm assuming in 20, 2027, he'll probably go back to the Ukraine. Uh, when I read this article, there's quite a few things here jumped out at me. Uh, sorry, when I read this, when I read this news online. <laughs> well, no, yeah, there was loads, loads of things. I wondered how he got caught because they didn't talk about that. So I wonder if he got caught because of, like you say, the tax. So I wonder if the, it was the tax that kind of made the IRS jump up and think, what's going on here? No, no, no. Uh, Microsoft caught him. Microsoft caught him and turned him in. I didn't find, I didn't see any of that. Like um, it wasn't very clear about Microsoft, whether it was Microsoft or the government. So, um, so Microsoft actually did catch it. Yeah, but it took them a while. So it wasn't it wasn't very clear to me like whether it was the the IRS or whether well, but he had been he got caught because some of those fake accounts that he was using he had been using his colleagues' information, so some of their, like, email addresses and names and stuff. Oh, so they And because that, he started right? using yeah, yeah. that, yeah, they followed that paper trail and they, they were able uh, to get okay, them that okay. way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am... Um, but the fact the IRS is aware of it, like, maybe maybe they were picking up at the same time as Microsoft, so... Yeah. I think the trouble is, do you know what it is? It's, I say this a lot. People do a crime, and they do it once, and they probably could get away with it. Like and probably no one would ever find out. Right. But the trouble and but the trouble with greed mm-hmm. is people they people always want more. Yes. And he probably I, I I don't know what his first transaction was ten thousand dollars or something like that. And I mean it could have been a thousand dollars. Who knows? But he did something. He probably did something really small to start with, and then he probably thought, whoa, it's like rubbing those hands together, mm-hmm. and then he suddenly ends up with yeah, and then he ends up with ten million. He obviously didn't end up with ten million overnight, like. But he, he does it over a staggered period, and and obviously he made money off of it. Um, now, and it, who knows? It, and the thing is, like it, like you said, it was it was greed because I know for a fact Microsoft employees get amazing discounts on Microsoft products. So it's not that you were trying to do like have like personal gain, like you were you were literally trying to profit off of this, and that's that was the problem with it. I'm sure if he had stolen some stuff and gotten caught, which again, like you don't need to, I promise you that Microsoft discount is hella badass. Also, he was an engineer, he would have been on good money. Yeah, like right. he was a he was he was an e-commerce in- infrastructure engineer. Like, and yeah. I mean, you know, people. I mean, they literally like imported that. him from the Ukraine. So yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, I mean to get into $10 America, million anyway, dollars is excessive. He must have been 
of course, his salary must have been between 100 to 200 grand. It's got to have been like, you yeah. know, to that, Easy. like you say, employed from Ukraine, Easy. doing that kind of job. He must have been extremely intelligent. He didn't need to steal 10 million. That was pure greed. Right. Like, and right. well, again, because I know he was dabbling in Bitcoin, I wonder if they found everything. So hard to say. Yeah. So. But maybe that's why they haven't seized his accounts because they can't get into the Bitcoin accounts. But I'm oh, yeah, sure Bitcoin if he had any difficult. kind of American bank account, they would have seized his bank account, frozen his assets. That's the only trouble with Bitcoin. And I can't uh, see that ever changing. Trouble. I'm not so sure it's trouble. Well, trouble trouble is in trouble, like as in the the, infor- the law enforcement can't get it like, you know, yeah. when they need to. Um, that's the only trouble with Bitcoin is in. Like if he's committed a crime, people can't get to that. So um, I, I've never used Bitcoin. I've got, in honesty, not particularly sure. <laughs> I don't make enough it. money to use Bitcoin yet. So um, <laughs> that is not a thing that is happening. Yeah, me. I mean, I've met people that said they've bought Bitcoin or whatever. Or but I've, I've I, I'll be honest with you, it's something I don't understand. Like, I don't want to stick money into. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so I. I thought to myself when I read it, there was just so it was just so weird the whole situation how it went on for so long and how he got away of it. But it definitely was greed, yeah. like, and the fact that he started, like you say, dabbling in his friends' accounts and things like that. Right, sounded to me like he was getting almost like the. Do you know? It almost feels like um, like a bug, like you know um. I don't know if you ever saw that episode of Friends where Monica got addicted to playing the stock market. Um, I don't know whether it was just an addiction here. Like he, he just couldn't help but constantly try and fiddle the system. Like whether it was some sort of bug had got him and he was just so hungry for more. So well, yeah, I think it's it puts you on a power trip because you know you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, and so far you've gotten away with it, and you make a profit off of it. Like, yeah, it's like a giant ego trip. Yeah. So, so enjoy paying that eight point three million dollars back, buddy. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll, well, I don't know how they'll make him give that back, but he definitely won't be going back to America after he goes back to the Ukraine. So, Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so moving right along. Piece of exciting news. I am super stoked about this. Riddick 4, the script is complete. Script is complete. The original director, David Towey, is, is back um, while doing press for F9. Vin Diesel casually dropped like, oh, yeah, by the way, the uh, Riddick 4 script is done. I have read it. I am enjoying it. And hopefully we will be able to start filming in Australia. Uh, no date whatsoever. None. Uh, so who knows if that's going to be anytime soon in the next couple of years or so. Uh, the last Riddick film we got was just titled Riddick. It was the third of the franchise. Got back to the basics. Uh, two was a little convoluted. Um, three gets back to the basics. Three is, oh man, I love three. Like I still watch it every time it comes on TV, even though that movie was from 2013. It it has aged very well. Um, I love the first one. Pitch Black was really oh, good. Oh yeah. The Pitch second Black, one, the second fantastic. one was, was just, too much. Do, do you know, it almost too was like story. the second one. I was going to say, it's almost like the second one was written and then they go, right, what can we do? Okay, let's make it a Pitch Black film. Like it just yeah. didn't feel like they obviously you know, altered it a little bit to fit in there, but it, yeah, but there's no like... reason to have the necromancers. Like that was just unnecessary. It would they that entire 
plot line with the necromancers was completely unnecessary. So hopefully four gets back to basics. It's titled Riddick for Furia. And for those who are fans, Furia is the planet that Riddick is originally from. Although no one can seem to find Furia anymore. Um, so I'm actually super intrigued and I hope we do finally get to Furia and, and kind of, hopefully he's not the last of his kind like we have been led to believe oh i don't think that he's clearly not going to be the last of his kind because it would be a very boring film (laughs) (laughs) um also they they are thinking that there could also be potential next game in the riddick franchise the first one which (laughs) i've never gotten past like the first 15 minutes of that game but escape from butcher bay um was the first Riddick video game that they released. There was uh, another one. Oh, I can't remember. Why have you not gone past the first 15 minutes? Because it was really hard. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were going to say it was really scary. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it was really hard. Because like the first one, obviously, Escape from Butcher Bay. So Butcher Bay is supposedly one of the, the Supermax prisons in the galaxy. Um, so he's basically breaking out of prison uh, in the game. And I just could not like get my bearings. Um, anyway, so... Hey, Riddick 4, Furia. I am super excited. I like I honestly the this Pitch Black and Fast and Furious came out at the same time and it's it's really kind of hard for me to decide which franchise I like better because I just I love them both so much. So, I'm super stoked. I love Riddick 2. Um, <laughs> you know, when I pitched uh, when I pitch black i remember picking the dvd up and it was uh, this is probably how old i am um i just got my first like dvd player like <laughs> had like had like and yet for years i had like vhs everywhere yeah and i bought myself a dvd player and i was like oh i have like thousands of vhs which i now need to get rid of yeah um <clears throat> and i need some dvds and i remember going into a shop just thinking okay i'll grab a couple of dvds whatever um I remember like some of the ones I got was like the Scream box set and mm-hmm. um and then I remember and then I remember seeing Pitch Black and I literally had no idea what it was, but I thought this is cool. Like I just bought it. Like and um and I when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is actually really good. Yeah. And um, but you could see it's like pretty much majority of it was Australian cast, other than Oh, well, I didn't know that at the time. So oh okay. Well, some of them I knew from uh Australian. I think there's a girl in it, I can't remember her name. Kara Black, uh, she's in a ton of stuff. No, it was um, oh, it's gonna it's gonna annoy, it's gonna annoy me now. Like, uh, no, there was there was two actresses in it. Um, that Australian. Um, oh, Rada Mitchell. Yeah, neighbors. Yeah, that's where I knew her from. Um, and then there was a, like I'm sure there was a couple of other people as well. But there was Americans in there, but there was like quite a few sort of Australians in there, and it, mm-hmm. it felt like it definitely had this whole Australian vibe about it, other than Vin Diesel. And, um, but anyway, I loved it. So and I've always loved the franchise. I do think two was a bit weird. So, but yeah. I'm really looking forward to number four. So I yeah. didn't, you know, I enjoyed number two, but going from number one to number two was so such a bit there was such a big gap like there was yeah but the, had they had ones. that animated one that came in between which was actually pretty good oh actually i've never watched that like what? um like, I, i've never I, I oh okay so the dvd that i have it's like a box set dvd of the first film that animated film and then the second film and then i have the third film on blu-ray so uh yeah you gotta watch it it's only like 30 minutes long you gotta watch it it's really yeah good. 
because it, it well, fills in the gap between what happens when the three of them get off of that planet and then how they wind up with the necromancers in the first place. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. No, when I said big jump, I meant in terms of um, just the just the feel. Obviously, number one is a real grounded movie, yeah. like real sort of back to basics. And number two is just so CGI heavy and crazy. And, and just Yeah, like, there's, but the, the story is too big and too. It's just, it's yeah. too much. Like, the it's first film like... is literally like, we're stuck on a planet. We crash landed. Oh, shit, there's aliens. Like, what do we do? Like, it's very simple, very basic. And then the second film is just like, you got, I mean, and you have this cast that's phenomenal. You got like Judy Dench and Tandy Newton and Carl Urban. And it's like, it's great. I, I love all of y'all. But uh, this was completely unnecessary. They should They should have. Um, that kind of almost is like a fourth or fifth movie, you know, in terms of scale. Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at Fast and Furious, like I know we're going to talk about it in a minute, but from where it started to where it is now, oh yeah, over over the, nine, <laughs> over the nine over the nine years, it's it's evolved. This it went from Pitch Black to uh, the second film, and, and it just it went from Pitch jumped. Black to Mission Impossible. Like that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the big jump that we've had in the Fast franchise. Yeah. Yeah, but no. Anyway, I'm excited. Hopefully, get number four whenever that comes out. I know they've been talking about it for so long. Yeah. So. Anyway, Batwoman. Uh, Batwoman is a show that I, um, well, Jasmine and I reviewed season one in December last year. We did review the first or first couple of episodes in earlier this year. I've fallen behind on it. I do intend to go back because I'm kind of keen to see um, Luke, Luke, uh, Luke Fox take on the Batwing mantle. And I kind of want to catch up on some of the other things here in the Kate Kane has been recast and coming back and stuff like that. I'm excited by this news, though, that Rene Montoya uh, is going to be coming into season three. Now, there's no news on who they're looking for or anything like that. They put out a little bit of a synopsis on what they're looking for uh, in terms of uh, race and age, sort of someone mid-30s, potential uh, Latinx or Afro-Latinx. And they have said, though, that this version will be in charge of a in speech marks freak division uh, at the mayor's office. Um, after leaving the GCPD, uh, they have mentioned that she's going to be part of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and what they've said here is that she is on a personal and enigmatic mission to clean up Gotham streets the right way by any means necessary. Now, I don't even know how you could put those two things in the same sentence. How can you do it the right way by any means necessary? Yeah, well, you know what it is, though. They start, <laughs> they start off doing it the right means possible. Yeah. And then, and then by the end the of the season. Yeah. When the shit's yeah. first, it's always the same, though, isn't it? They come in, they're anti the vigilantes. They don't, they want to do it by the book, by the law. And then by the end of the season, they're also bloody wearing capes and, and masks right. or where it is. So for those who don't know, that Rene Montoya also is the question in the comics. So we'll be we're getting more superheroes as well from comics and is batwoman just really becoming the new gotham that's what i want to know so yeah hopefully but better than gotham because <laughs> god uh we'll i gave up gotham after a while like yeah. yeah do you know what it's a shame it could have been so good it could have it could have if they stopped focusing on bruce wayne like if you had let that go and actually focused on 
uh, Jim Gordon. I think we could have had a much better series. I think, do you know, I think they'd have actually just kept this as what it was meant to be a prequel yes. for Jim Jim Gordon. Exactly. I was okay with like the first episode having Bruce's parents get killed, right? And he, and even potentially having the first season be like solved murder. Well, I think you have but, to have but that. But then as a he hook. needed. To, but then he needed to then fade into the background and become right. more of a reoccur. I think they. They made a rod for their own back by keeping him as a reoccurring character. Yes. Um, that was just something they shouldn't have done. Like they yeah, just shouldn't I have agree. done it. They should have faded him out. I would have, I would have been fine with maybe the odd episode or something like that. But just, anyway, we're, we're not talking about Gotham, but they they really balls that one up. Like, sorry, <laughs> they, they really did. We'll be back in a moment. Let's get nerdy, everybody. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave, and together we are the Nerd Byword, your podcast guide through the nerd multiverse. Our podcast takes deep dives into all sorts of nerdy content. We talk about comic books, video games, movies, TV, and pop culture. Want to know about the latest nerdy news? We've got you covered. Want to get recommendations about new or obscure media that will fill your nerdy heart with happiness? You've come to the right place. And in our Nerd Big Talk segment, we go deep as we take on some of the biggest questions in nerddom. All that and exclusive interviews with heavy hitters in the nerd world. Join us on the Nerd Byword wherever you get your podcasts at nerdbyword.com. Stay well and stay nerdy. And we're back. So just a little shout out to our friends in our... um community. So it's always good to support our other podcasters and YouTubers. That's right. So... This week's review, we are going to be focusing on Fast 9. Um, so when I say that, it's actually got three names, F9, F9, the Fast Saga, and Fast and Furious 9. Take your pick. <laughs> Take your pick, basically. <laughs> like, I actually said to someone, do you want to go see Fast 9? And they went, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, okay. I was like, Fast and Furious 9. They went, oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh, that anyway. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's directed by Justin Lin. Writers are Daniel Casey, uh, Justin Lin, uh, Alfredo Botelio, um, and it was released in June 2021. However, this was originally going to be released in April 2020, unlike the rest of Way all the movies behind. that are coming. Well, yeah, like the rest of the movies that are due to come out this year, uh, mm-hmm. everything got pushed back from the yep. chaos that happened last year. I think 2020 and probably parts of this year will be the years that no one talks about. So yeah. going forward, be like the year that no one, the time forgot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway the cast is way long so i'm gonna say some of them and then not all of them so vin diesel was in it uh as dominic toretto vinnie bennett plays young dominic who he is a young up-and-coming kiwi actor so holla at the kiwis i love it i didn't know one of two kiwis in this film mind you michelle rodriguez is letty ortiz and who doesn't know Michelle Rodriguez? <laughs> Tyrese Gibson is playing the, the Joker of the pack, Roman Pierce. Uh, Ludacris is Tedge Parker. John Cena is making his entrance to the Fast and Furious franchise as Jacob with a K. Uh, Jacob <laughs> Toretto. I have no idea why they put K in there. But yeah. so, uh, Finn Cole from Peaky Blinders is playing young Jacob. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Do you know what? It was bugging me the whole film. Like, like, honestly, I was like, who is he? It's really annoying me. And I can't yeah. get my phone out to look it up. Um, and then the moment I got out, I looked at it, I was like, oh, Peaky Blinders. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nathaniel. Uh, Nathaniel? Um, Natalie, Natalie Emmanuel. Yeah. 
I can't read. Anyway, it's Ramsey. Honestly, I love Ramsey. Me too. Uh, Georgia, and she, if you didn't know, English actress, originally, I didn't see her in it, English soap, Hollyoaks, uh, and then she was in Game of Thrones for a big chunk, supporting our Dragon Queen. Uh, and then there's quite a few other people in here. Helen uh, Miriam makes an appearance. Kurt, Kurt Russell has a couple of little screenshots. Sun King Char- is back. Yeah. Uh, Charlize Theron uh, has got a little bit in here as Cypher. Lucas Black, Don Omar, Shia Wingham all reprise their role from uh, roles from uh, Tokyo Drift. And um, oh, so many people. Gal Gadot has got some archive footage. Um, and yeah, just, just yeah, like, it's amazing. So, um, but yeah, like you say, though, out of all of those people, Han coming back, I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate that they ruined it in the trailer. But oh, yeah. I honestly think that's something that they should have just not let anyone know. If I, I'd have been watching that, I think and if seen this that. movie had come out in April of 2020, like it was supposed to, they could have kept that a secret. I don't see how they could have kept that secret a year and a half after the film was originally supposed to be released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a quick summary of the movie. So the movie brings us back to Dom, who's retired, is um, living with his um, uh, child and and um, also Letty as well. And they're all living a peaceful little life in the middle of nowhere, completely off the beaten path and, you know, no phones, no internet, et cetera, et cetera. However, Roman and Ted rock up as they do, with and a screen, uh, yeah, Ramsey. Sorry, but um, they with a screen that shows a little um, snippet of Mister Nobody. Yeah, you know, the planes crashed, etc. Cipher's been pulled off the plane. Planes in the middle of nowhere, trying to pull them back in. Roman doesn't. Uh, sorry, uh, Dom doesn't want to go, but they they end up going anyway. Then what happens is this leads to <clears throat> them wanting to track down two halves of a machine called Ares, which basically can hack into a computer, any computer-controlled weapon system across the world. This whole film, basically that's the sort of the starting point. The whole film then is kind of a, an international search and rescue for mm-hmm. finding different bits and bobs. Uh, in a, it all ends in a large-scale fight to save the world. Uh, throughout the movie, we're also introduced to Dom's brother, Jacob with a K, who... <laughs> will be known as that forever and um (laughs) and the majority of the movie he's a villain we'll talk about that in a bit uh the movie also spends quite a lot of time flashing back to the past to show Mm -hmm. dom and jacob and unfortunately not mia which i was a bit disappointed about um and there i think that was a bad move on their part anyway we'll get we'll talk about that a bit but it shows a young dom and a young jacob and their father um, sort of following his death and kind of their their relationship and how it soured. And that's why it kind of leads to the fact that we've never heard of Jacob with a K before. And um... <laughs> oh, should I stop doing it? <laughs> so, um, if it makes but, you happy. Like, yeah. Oh, John Cena. Like, so uh, well, honestly, that, that, that man, uh, I've got a lot of thoughts of John Cena. So. Yeah, I got I got notes, man. I got notes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's my summary of F9. Like we're, we're done. Let's go. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, obviously that was a joke. Right. What I want to start with just a short, what's your thoughts? Just a summary. What's your thoughts on this movie? You walked out. What was your initial like gut, gut thought on this movie? Um, so my initial thought was 20 years of this franchise 
and this is literally the first time we're hearing of a brother like there there was no other way for you to work a character like cena into this film other than retconning history and adding in a phantom sibling uh that's that's my beef now granted in in a film where two non-astronauts go into orbit uh my beef is john cena playing vin diesel's brother (laughs) that's that's like and it's 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 odd because like at one point like they they try to kind of play it play it off like oh every we you know we all knew yada 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 um but like at one point charlie Theron is like well you know we always knew that the toretto bloodline was mixed but i didn't know it had a nordic strain and i was like i'm sorry a what now like is this your way of saying that like he's the white brother like i'm very confused by this i was confused um, by that comment yeah like that was a weird thing yeah um, i mean they they tried to work it in some kind of way like but it would have made a lot more sense if if you're going for like the big meathead look like you could have you could have picked someone like dave batista like i could believe that dave batista and vin diesel are brothers but like I believe in John Cena and Vin Diesel are brothers, so that's that. So that's that's really my my biggest uh, summary. There, it's like that's weird, but okay. But did you? I, but I did you? Like, did you enjoy it though? When you walked out, do you think I enjoyed that movie? Of course I did. I, yeah, I would okay, not okay. have spent twenty years watching this franchise yeah, if yeah. I were expecting myself to walk out and be like, "Well, that sucked." No, oh, do you know? Hell I, yeah, so I enjoyed I, it. No, I walked out and I thought I really loved this film. Like yeah. this is the, I loved, I loved every moment of this film. And I'll talk about my viewing experience in a minute. But I thought I, I walked out of there like kind of pumped. I was like, yeah. yes, cinema is back. Like, and well, I didn't go know, that far. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, but like it was a big blockbuster movie. Big block, big block, big blockbuster movie should be watched on the big screen. I walked out of there for. I, I thought to myself, this is like when Jasmine loved more combat and I thought it yes. was shit. Like I walked out of there thinking, I don't care if people think this movie is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought this was a good film. I don't care what people say. And don't yeah. get me wrong. This is not an Oscar movie. Like this is not nope. a, sure this is not a dramatization. Of I tell you what though, when this movie comes out on DVD Blu-ray. or Blu-ray, I'm going to buy it so that I can watch it whenever <laughs> the hell I want to watch it. That's, oh, that's, yeah, I can't, the kind I can't. Of, that's this kind of movie. Do you know what? Like, it's got me now wanting to like sit down and just do all of them, like just oh, start to finish, and that, that'd be a long, that'd be a long. Week if if you two. want to like, make that happen, I'm I'm fine with it. We can find room in the schedule because <laughs> I would be totally down for that. Should we just change the name to Yeah, the Geeks Unleashed, Geeks Unleashed. Fast, fast, fast Unleashed, or something like that? <laughs> yes. Uh, Furious yes. Unleashed, I don't know. <laughs> or Geek Furious Geeks, Furious Geeks. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll just I'm become down. Furious Geeks for 10 episodes. I'm fine that? with it. So, I'm totally fine with um, it. Yeah, that's it. We're, we're, we're um, the Fast and Furious official <laughs> podcast. But, no, so yeah, I walked out there. I was like, yeah, no, oh, this is a good film. And um, anyway, but to, in regards to sort of my viewing experience and where I watched it and stuff like that, actually, I'll just hear from you first. Like, where did, where did you go and see it? Okay, so I got a story for this one. So this is my first trip back to the movie theater since... COVID. The last movie I saw before COVID hit was the My Hero Academia movie. <laughs> Two heroes uh, in that 4K thing with the seats that move and vibrate and all that stuff. 
Um, so this is the first time I've been in a theater since February of 2020. Um, I So I originally had tickets for one night and I couldn't make it because I had some, I had a delivery at my apartment that I had to be here for. So switch my ticket. I had a work appointment at 2.30. I, I hope my boss is not listening. I had a work appointment at 2.30. And after my work appointment, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going back to the office today. So I found a 3.15 showing. <laughs> so like I went to see Fast Night, 3.15 in the afternoon. I get into the theater. I am the only person there. And then after three trailers have played, this old woman walks in. And when I say old woman, she had to have been over 90. She had a nurse helper. She was walking with a cane. She was moving very, very gingerly. And when she, cause like when she walked in, I started to question, I was like, am I in the, am I in the right theater? Cause I cannot imagine this woman wanting to see Fast 9. So like, I try to look at my ticket. Obviously I can't see anything cause it's dark. So I literally get up out of my seat. I go back outside of the theater and I check the little marquee above the, the theater auditorium, but they have stopped putting the movie names on the marquee. So then I go back through my purse and I'm looking at my ticket and I'm looking at my receipt and yeah, I was like, okay, it says fast nine, three fifteen. like, okay. And so like when I went back in and sat down finally, after like 25 minutes of trailers, the, <laughs> the movie comes on, I was like, okay, I'm in the right place. But since it was just me and, and the very quiet, very old woman, um, I had my phone out. So I was taking notes the whole time for, for this podcast. Uh, but yeah, it was again, middle of the afternoon. It, and because it was the middle of the afternoon, it was one of those really small screens. So it's still a movie theater experience, but like, not like the big IMAX screen experience. So I, I, I went and watched it. Um, I think it was, um, oh, it was a view cinema and, uh, I went with a friend of mine and, um, I texted him saying, do you, to, do you want to go see F9? He's like, what's F9? I was like, Fast and Furious 9. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, cool, yeah. Like, we arranged a date and time. Uh, we both met there. Uh, we met we met a view in Oxfordshire because it was in the middle of where we both live. Sorry, in mm-hmm. Oxford, because um, yeah, it's in the middle of where we both live. And um, so we had to wear the masks on the way in, but in the actual cinema thing, nobody was wearing masks. It was kind of cool because everyone was eating and drinking anyway. Like, so bought loads of popcorn i literally and, wore uh, my mask for three hours oh no, i ate and drank so like <laughs> food, food can't go through that mask so um but it wasn't that packed there was a few people in it annoyingly um there was about six kids sitting behind me that thought it was appropriate to talk the whole way through the film and laugh sucks. And i hate people like that at the movie oh, theater. I, know, I know i know one person did say to them at one point can you just be quiet but they just laughed and i thought you know there's no point saying things to people that just talk through the whole film like they clearly don't care so um that was probably my actual biggest negative about my viewing experience was just the just what you know i'm enjoying this movie i'm sitting there pay for my ticket sit i i actually paid two pounds more so i could sit in the vip seats mm-hmm. like so you know i wanted a nice comfortable seat with some nice leg room you know a nice you know it's my first time back last time last film i saw was um 
in February 2020. I saw 1917, uh, mm-hmm. the World War the World War One movie, which was just amazing. Um, however, obviously, 15 months have gone past. First time back at the movie theater, and I'm like, you've got these idiots behind me. That was <laughs> what was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So I haven't really got any um, amazing stories about it, but it was just just really good to get back out again. I was actually really pleased to just go out, see a film on the big screen, and this is a film I actually think really. I think it was kind of a bit like the more combat thing. I think if I'd have seen more combat on the big screen, I probably would have loved it more than I did watching it on the TV. Yeah. Because films, films like that need to be seen on a big screen. And I think if we were doing this podcast and COVID had never happened, I would have said, right, I'll go to the cinema and watch more combat. Like, mm. And I probably would have come into the podcast with a completely different mindset. Yeah. I think films like that need to be seen on the big screen. I think I've always thought this comedies, watch them at home, watch them with friends, watch them in a group of people. You can have a couple of beers and have a bit of a laugh. But big action films should always be on the big screen. Like, just That's to, what just they're know. designed for. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I know it's not the cinema's fault. But right, right. Like, you know, but they've denied me my ability to watch all these action films for the last 12, well, 15 months. So I'm glad that cinema is back. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed going out and I enjoyed watching on the big screen. So it was good. To, it was good to see it. And I think it was really, well, it was really nice to see it like that. So, yeah. Um, so sort of as we get into the movie now, so I wanted to hear from you. Did you have a favorite character or actor? Letty uh, from- has always been my favorite. Always and forever, Letty. Yeah. Um, and Letty's always been my favorite because okay, so this this movie came out in, during my like formative years. I was seventeen when the first when the first Fast and Furious film came out. So I immediately fell in love with Letty because she was not the typical like arm candy girl that mm. you see in these kinds of films. Um, she was like, she was a tomboy, but she like, she knew cars and she wasn't afraid to get dirty. She fought a lot, um, but she still got like the, the, the hot guy, you know, like it was like this, this never happens. You never see the tomboy with the, with the main character. So I, plus like her interests aligned with mine. Like when I was 17, I, I've was a gearhead when I was a kid. Um, I grew up as a child of uh, the car industry. So by the time, like I learned to drive on a convertible canary yellow Mustang when I was 12 years old. So I have been into cars for a very, very long time. Um, So like to see a franchise that kind of, A, it had people of color. So people that kind of look like me, uh, people that that didn't conform to the norms like me, driving fast cars and doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing. I'm not going to admit to doing that or not. Um, but it just, I don't know. I've, I've always loved Letty's character. And I think that was one of my biggest beefs uh, with the franchise like in, in the middle around the fourth film when um, it, it was kind of like, are they going to bring Michelle back? Is she coming? Like what's going to happen? Um, and I remember reading some stuff with like Michelle Rodriguez, where she was like, I cannot believe that I fell for it. I cannot believe that this franchise that, you know, we've been a part of for so long and they just kind of cut me out. And she was like, and I just kept asking Vin and, and he, she was like, he assured me, don't worry, I got you. Like you're, you're coming back. It's don't, don't look at it as a bad thing. Um, so yeah, when they, when they finally brought Letty back, I was all in from that point on 
because two, uh, uh, I didn't really love two. I watched two. Three, I have not seen three because, you know, none of those people are regulars. So four was the film that brought that's me back true. into the franchise. That's not, that's not true. Well, they've Han, been in the last two. So. Han was in like 75% of them. And then Lucas Back has been in, well, three of them, if you count Tokyo Drift, uh, which they do. They do count Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And, um, you should go and watch Take a Drift. It's, you know, it's not the best of the movies, but I suppose if you're gonna make, if we're gonna do a Fast and Furious marathon, yeah, if we do a marathon, to... I'll watch it. If we're not doing a yeah. marathon, fuck it, I'm not watching it. Um, so yeah, four, <laughs> four was the film that brought me back to the franchise because that was the film where everybody came back. Um, yeah. So yeah, but always and forever, Letty is my favorite character. Do you know what Michelle Rodriguez? Um, like you say, I. I, I love Michelle Rodriguez. She was one of the characters I wrote down. I'll talk about someone else in a minute because I actually wrote down three characters. I was like, I can't. I'm struggling with a favorite character here. Uh-huh. So, but you know, I, I I actually love Michelle Rodriguez from when she spent time in Lost. Um, oh when yeah, she came yeah. In, in the second season, and I remember at the time, I think it was something. I might I might paraphrasing this a little bit but her agent and her they wanted to get her into something else because she was getting the trouble she was getting was constantly getting stuck as like the action girl yes and however she was very actiony in lost i didn't mm-hmm. find that she was too far from what she was being cast in big films so although it being in lost you did have a chance to sort of flesh out a character a little bit more as you do on tv because you know you've got you're, you're there week in week out yeah um but i i i love Letty and even um, Michelle Rodriguez, and I have to say, like I think Letty definitely is the heart and soul of the team. I think I know they put a lot behind Dom, but I think it was very evident in this film actually how much of a lead or role Letty has. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, the I did struggle with favourites here, so I actually did put down Jordana Brewster uh as mia and even uh natalie um emmanuel as ramsey as well um i honestly those three women for me were just just so good in this in the thing in this in this film and um i thought having mia back was just amazing i was look i understand why they wrote mia out yeah you know but i would imagine georgiana brewster probably wasn't happy to be written out of a big block big blocks uh big blockbuster action franchise and lose the the Wonga that came with it. She probably did think, look, I've got to take it on the chin, you know, because her character and Brian rode off into the sunset. I did think this was a good way of bringing her back because of the brother. Um, And they obviously don't bring her in initially. They bring her in sort of, I don't know, know, 45 minutes later or whatever it is and into the movie. Because obviously, uh, again, Letty brings her in and says, you know, we can't leave her out. It's, your, it's her brother too. Yeah. So, but I know I love them all. I honestly thought that Ramsey's so, so cool. Like, it's just, I love the fact that she's not really a, a street racer. She is the IT woman. She's like, okay, the man when in the she chair, said so that she could not drive, oh, yeah, I no, lost no, no, my I'm... shit. Like, I was like, oh. are you kidding me? And she's like, well, I have no reason to drive in London. Like, oh my God. Oh, that's you true, though. Drive a car? Okay. Well, that's true, though. My like, beef with that. Not only did she say, I can't drive, but then she gets behind the wheel of a truck, or as you say, a lorry, which is a manual (laughs) shifting vehicle. Like, you mean to tell me you can't drive, but magically you get behind the wheel of a freaking stick shift and you know how to drive a damn stick shift? Now, I've been driving since I was 12 and I cannot drive a stick shift. Yeah, but that's all we drive over here is is stick. You guys don't have automatics at all? 
I've never I've driven automatic once. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, There's nothing to do. You put it in gear once, and then you go. Oh, oh, it was so weird. Honestly, I didn't like it. No, we. Oh, it's all we God. drive. It's all we drive over here is stick. I couldn't imagine driving anything other than stick. That killed me. Like, oh. how if you don't know how to drive though, how do you even understand the mechanics of the clutch and the shift and all of that at the same time? Like that makes no, that made no sense to me. I think it, I, it's definitely harder to drive stick over automatic. Like the automatic, I drove automatic once. I basically had to move a friend's car at work, and he 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 gave me his keys, and I got in the car. I was like the fuck is this i was just like i was like okay like it was so weird i honestly i really had to drive this car slow because i had literally no idea what i was doing um no i i even thought if i ever moved to america or lived in america i'd have to find a car with a stick i like, mean they I sell them yeah i know i i wouldn't drive an automatic like i i but also i love flicking gears i love jumping up gears like it's it, it you get a lot more power with the gears. Oh, yeah, I, I love. I, I couldn't imagine driving an automatic. It'd be so weird, an alien. So, <laughs> uh, and um, and and sometimes, do you know? What, actually, <laughs> oh, when I left the cinema, like when I was like flicking gears, and I because I had to get on the motorway, or as you call the highway, um, like I had to get on there after I left the the movie cinema, uh, the cinema, sorry, the movie theater, and I had to get on there to go home, and I was like quick flipping gears you know one two three four all the way up to five like and you know i'm doing like 70 70 on the motorway and i was like yeah you do feel like a racer <laughs> like you just come out you just come out of a sort of a racing car movie film and you're like straight away like in your car flipping gears and like i have to say i do love the whole thing like flipping gears and you know going up up up, up the gear level and all that and just going up faster so for me stick is best actually to come to a point, a point ramsey's point about um i don't need to drive in london i've got loads of friends that live in london that don't drive or yeah. like or i like, imagine it's like living in new york city like i would never yeah. drive if i lived in new york city there's no point no well when i used to live in london i didn't drive for ages like, i learned i learned quite late like mid-20s or something like that yeah. and the only reason i did that because i was like okay look okay i live in london public transport's great bus comes every five minutes whatever but i'm like look i can't for the rest of my life am i going to live in london probably not like am i going to live a bit further out probably and also like you're so restricted on jobs because you know that actually the higher you go up or the higher you want to progress you're always going to need a car mm -hmm. so i was like okay i'm gonna to have to learn to drive so with ramsey Mm, she probably did know how to drive what i think she meant was she just i can't drive, drive i can't yeah. drive as well as you lot drive yeah and, um, okay maybe so she, maybe yeah um favorite <laughs> character for me i think if i was to really come down to it, it was gobby gobby ramsey really i thought she was brilliant she was funny and and just really light-hearted and yeah i just think she's great and i think it's good that i felt like women in general in this film got a lot more screen time and, a, and were a yeah. lot more vital to the plot than I think previous movies. That's why I think I wrote down three women as favorite characters. Like I just, it was great to see them actually not needing men in mm -hmm. their scenes or relying on men. And I, when Dom got in the car next to her, I thought, please don't let him get the wheel. Like, yeah. and he didn't. He didn't. She sat. He sat there watching her, which I thought was good. Yeah. And I think had this have been in the first four movies, Dom would have taken over. Like, but he's now a lot more as the character relying on his team. Yeah. So, which is maybe an evolution of his character too. So who's your least favorite character in this film? Oh, well, my least favorite character was the typical like throwaway bad guy, Otto, played by two Ersted Rasmussen. He was just such a joke. Like he was like such a chump 
And to yeah. me, he's like that internet personality person that's like, oh, I'm like YouTube famous. Like <laughs> nobody fucking cares. Like, um, so yeah, he was my least favorite. And my favorite like bit of dialogue with him was when he said that he was very much Luke Skywalker. You are certainly not Luke Skywalker. And then he was like, no, you're right. I'm Han Solo. And she was like, nice try, honey. But no, you're not him either. Uh, and then eventually she was like, you're Yoda. And he was like, yeah, I could be Yoda. He's a, he's the one that has all the wisdom. And she was like, no, Yoda is a puppet with someone else's hand up his ass. And oh my God, I about lost it laughing at that scene. Cause he's just like, so eager to be like hot shit. And it's like, bro, that is no, like, no, you are the butt of all the jokes. Like you need to understand that. So he was definitely my least favorite character. He was incredibly irritating, and yes. his fate was sealed from his very first scene. Oh, was, of course, of course. He was not seeing another franchise, uh, sorry, another movie in the franchise. Yeah. My least favorite character has got to be Jacob with a K, uh, the older <laughs> version. So John Cena, honestly, I, I, I know why they cast John Cena. He's, for some reason, in Hollywood, become popular. I like Listen, don't get, John I don't get Cena it. is actually really funny. He didn't have a chance to be funny in this film. John Cena has amazing comedic timing. Maybe in other films he's okay. Yeah. Um, in this film, no. Um, so firstly, let's start, let's rewind time to young Jacob with a K yeah. and young Dominic Toretto. What happened? So John Dominic young Toretto or young Dominic Toretto was much taller than our Peaky Blinders young Jacob. But he was a younger brother. He might have had a growth spurt. And then fast forward to now and bloody Vin Diesel is like a dwarf compared to John Cena. <laughs> I honestly, I was just like, how did they not think this through? Because like, the characters are like at the point where they would have stopped growing like in the past. Um that was just annoying. And, Not necessarily. Um, My brother didn't outgrow me until he was like 21. All right. Well, anyway, that, that was something that kind of irritated me. I couldn't really see it. But just in general, his entire presence, the whole, you said, you said it earlier about what Cypher's comment about the Nordic strain. Yeah. Just trying to clearly say, we're going to just somehow trust us, guys. It. Just trust us. They're related. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They've got this white guy. Like you say, honestly, they could have found someone else. Um, I don't know. I just, there's just so much. I just think, it, again, I know it's not an Oscar movie, but his acting is shit. I want to know <laughs> so, why they made him make those faces. Like, they're, I actually have in my notes on my phone, like, what the fuck is wrong with John Cena's face? Like, why they, like there's so many scenes where he just has this sourpuss look on his face where he kind of looks like a frog and i'm like that is a forced face like that is just that's not like a resting face what are you doing why are you making that face i i don't know i there's so much about john cena maybe he's good in other things and i think i think there can be things like that where you he's watch fantastic someone... in cock blockers if anyone has I've not seen, seen that, that film holy no. shit cock blockers is so funny i laughed so hard that i needed my inhaler like i was wheezing watching that film it is hilarious yeah john cena wasn't for me um but however how it ended john cena's definitely coming back 100 and you know what though like i didn't i have to put my hands up and say i didn't know where it was going to go with john cena and not entirely like i wasn't 
I knew that he wouldn't be villain villain till the end. Um, but I couldn't, but I thought that he might have just been, I still thought he might have been defeated at the end, but he obviously had a moment of redemption. And I knew from the moment they revealed that that when John, John Cena's Jacob said to um Vin Diesel's Dominic, um something that he'd held on to all these years was a secret that their dad had promised yeah, made him promise to keep yeah and the moment he revealed it i was like oh this is it now this is the way to turn this around that it wasn't jacob's fault it was the dad's fault mm-hmm. and put that pressure on jacob although dom said you know you should have still a good still, son would have said no yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. then again the good he was trying to be a good son by doing what his dad said which right which you know there's arguments either way for it he was trying to look after he was trying to look after what his dad wanted but equally you know dom saying you know you kind of should have been looking after the well-being of our dad not yeah our dad obviously wasn't making a right decision so but at that point there was now a way forward to turn that relationship around where there hadn't been up until that point um so really in some ways it's making jacob seem like he's a little bit of a martyr really he kind of sacrificed his relationship with Dom, so that Dom would still always idolize his dad, you know, for all these years. So um, it's a difficult one. But so John Cena eventually, towards the end of the film, sort of in the last 10, 15 minutes, flips it around and helps save the day, which I think we all knew that was coming. I yep. just didn't know entirely where it was coming. And obviously, he doesn't, he's not sitting there at the end when they're all sitting there. You know, they're not having the little family. He is not invited to the barbecue. But I bet you by next movie, he is. No, by 11. I think by the 11th film, when they wrap it all up, when they're finally done, then he'll be. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe by 11. Maybe 10 will be a bit awkward still, but 11, yeah. yeah. I'd be still, I'd be curious to see what happens with that if they do do a family barbecue and bring everyone in and yeah. talk about why in a minute. So, um, sort of get into the, the structure of the film and obviously um, the writing of the film. So, um, this is the first. Uh, movie uh, since um, Too Fast Too Furious to not to be written by uh, Chris Morgan. Um, to me, I didn't really notice much of a difference in terms of mm-hmm. how it was written. To be honest, I think the characters felt very similar and yeah. to, to what we've had before. I didn't. I thought that it, they did a good job in terms of the writing, in terms of carrying this on um, and following on from the previous franchises. I didn't. I didn't think the writing really took away anything in all honesty i think i thought they did a good job in carrying the the franchise and what do you think about the writing um i think this goes back to letty being my favorite character but i think the way that they wrote her in this one she had more heart and more sort of empathy than they've ever written for her before like the very opening scene where they come to the the uh Tej and Roman and Ramsey come to the farm and Letty and Dom tell little Brian to go hide while they take care of whatever. And then like when Dom is like, no, we don't owe Mr. Nobody anything. Like we don't work for him anymore. Um, And Letty is just kind of like, uh, what? And so after that, they, you know, he's tucking in his son and Letty is literally just like, peace out. Like I'm, I'm going to go help them. Um, this is this is not who we are. It basically, she's implying that this quiet life, this is not the people that we know ourselves to be. Um, but when she leaves, she never asked for permission. 
She never begged him to come with her. She never tried to convince him to come. She literally made this decision for herself. She said, this is not the life that I want. And I am going to go and help our friends. Bye. And and I just thought that that was like fucking fantastic that she just, it's not that she didn't care because it is very clear throughout the entire film that she loves Dom to the moon and back. That has never been questioned. But like, I just thought it was so powerful that she didn't, she didn't like wait for him to allow her to do something. She, she decided that this was something that she wanted to do. She was going to go help their friends. If he wanted to come along, great. But basically like this is farm life is not what I signed up for. So I'm out. Um, and then again, like when her and Mia are having ramen in Tokyo and she's just like, you know, because, you know, the, the whole plot point in the fifth movie is that she had lost her memories and, you know, she couldn't remember who she was, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, you know, just as I was starting to remember who I was, it all got taken away from me. And then, you know, we're on the run. And she makes a comment like, you know, when they pulled up and we didn't know who they were, our first instinct was to hide. And she was like, but we never hide. Like, we never run and hide. That's not who we are. Um, and I just thought that that was that she's been so consistent through throughout the films but independent while also being part of a group like she's still very independent minded and and as much as she loves dom she's very like adamant in her no this is not who i am this is not what i want to do this is not the life that i want for myself and so i am going to go out and make that happen now, just because like I, it might not be doing like above board shit, but I'm going to go out there and do it. So mm. I loved I loved the way that Letty was written in this film. Um, and as far as like the rest of everything else, I mean, it's very on par with the rest of the franchise to me, at least the later films in the franchise. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get, this film is definitely in par with the last you know three mm. films, really. It's obviously not. It, I mean, it had two to eight not happened. And we went from one to this. It clearly would be like, what on earth what is going fuck on? Is happening? Yeah. yeah, it'd be like the Riddick thing that we talked about. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think in terms of structure and writing and all of that together, I think it was done very well. They there was a lot to cover. There was mm-hmm. many scenes. There was, I mean, at, at points we had so kind of the team got together very early to go and save Mister Nobody if possible, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of obviously had a few meetings, et cetera. And then they kind of all went their separate ways. You know, Dom went off to London and um, uh, Letty and um, Mia went off to Tokyo and and all, the, all went all different places and kind of then met up again, um, which I thought was pretty cool the way. And he, he did, I think they did a good job of managing such a quite a large cast. Yeah. You know, even the, even the villains were broken down. There was sort of three villains, you know, you like you say, you had your... Um, diplomat's son you had mm-hmm. um jacob um and cypher uh cypher yeah sorry and um and so you had those three and uh all, all different times they were kind of i probably would say john cena took up most of the screen time in terms of villainy yeah but um anyway so i just did you in the movie have a particularly like good favorite scene one that you enjoyed um favorite scene Honestly, I I think that scene at the beginning that I just described with Letty, where it was very low action, low, low dialogue, just like, nope, 
I'm not doing this. I'm I'm leaving. We'll see. Yeah. I'll see you when I'm when I'm back. It's um, just all looks, isn't it? Like yeah, you know, like I just if looks that, kill basically. <laughs> yeah, like that scene just really stuck with me. So I would I'd probably pick that one as my favorite. Yeah, my my favorite scene is a Letty scene as well, but it was Letty and Mia. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So um, when they went off to Tokyo, and yeah. I, I sort of actually read about this. So it's the first scene the two characters have ever had together in 20 years. So they've been in a room with other people, mm-hmm. but they've never had scenes where it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought to, for finally up to 20 years, I thought to have a scene like that, because also with Georgiana Brewster, she had fight scenes, which she'd never had before. Um, yes. and had to be, had to be trained to do these fight scenes. So although she'd done, um, sort of racing scenes on her own before, like where she'd been in the in the driver's seat, et cetera. Mm-hmm. She'd never really had hand-to-hand combat. But to see the two of them sort of sitting down and eating together, doing a bit of investigating together, um, and sort of sort of a bit of a catch-up and that kind of thing. I just thought it's actually nice that we're having a scene. Um, they talk about that, I forgot the name of it. That's something test or whatever it is, where you test a film to see the best how, test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that test about the, the sort of the male influence in those, those films. Yeah. And where, where basically uh, I think it fails if it's a woman and a woman together, but they're talking about a man. Yeah. They weren't even they weren't even sort of doing that. They were kind of, you know, just basically like chilling out in, in Tokyo, although they were very, they were although they they weren't looking for harm per se, they because they obviously didn't know harm was alive. Um, but they were investigating a postcard that he left. So mm. I didn't really seem to deem that as talking talking about a man because they were investigating a postcode that they thought he was dead um but i i sort of got a little thing here of um a quote that georgiana uh said so um i thought this was actually really a really good um quote so i'm just gonna read it out quickly um it's sort of unbelievable that in the last 20 years we've never had a scene together um she said it was really fun to explore that and i hope that we get to explore that further i love working with michelle she's always such a great example to me because she's always been fearless outspoken and she's always spoken her truth i can't say the same with me i think i've always been the follower instead of the leader she's a trailblazer and i think what people I think what people are doing now, she's been um, doing since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So she's she's basically saying she's already been setting the example of what what she, basically she's always stayed true to herself. She's saying yeah. I think I think actually Georgiana's really really um, blowing Michelle's trumpet there, and um, and I just think it's amazing that these two strong female leads, you know, from the original from the original uh, movie for. It's crazy to think that they the first time they've had, actually had a scene together on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, I get, you know, that there's been reasons for that. That Georgiana's character had to be written out because of um, Paul's death, and then also um, Letty also got written out for a bit because of potentially getting killed off and then getting brought back and stuff like that. Um, I don't see any reason why it couldn't have happened in the first film, but it's nice to see that by the time we get to nine, that these two characters shared a scene together. And um, and I thought actually it was really important that we've had that. And it was actually a fairly good scene as well. I, I, I loved the hand fighting. I was like, Oh yeah. And a great addition to that scene is Anna Sawai, which yeah. I have loved her since Ninja Assassin, which came out in 2009. And I talk about Ninja Assassin all the time and people always make fun of me because there's a K-pop star that's in the lead. Anyway, Ninja Assassin is fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> if you are into fight films that don't that like pretend to have a plot uh but also have really awesome like fight choreography ninja assassin is perfect it is a perfect film for that 
So I watch it every chance I get anyway. So when she came on screen, I was like, oh my God, Nick Assassin. Um, so I, I loved the addition of her as like a, a trifecta of badass women fighting off all of these thugs in, in Han's old apartment. Um, is there anything that you would have cut from this film or changed? Uh, John Cena? S- no, I'd leave, leave, <laughs> leave Cena. Um <laughs> I'm honestly, and this again goes back to my personal bias, but I'm I'm cutting the Tokyo Drift guys. Like I'm cutting that entire Germany scene. I, do you know what I didn't like was yeah. about about um, Lucas, uh, Lucius Black. His character in this was so different to the Tokyo Drift. Like he, oh, that annoyed me. Like he was, he kind of was made like a joke character in this film. Like mm-hmm. he becomes some weird weird sort of science geek like he was not that in the in the in the film he was in like you haven't seen it but like he was he he thought he was like a bit of a playboy like his mm-hmm. he has this race with um this wealthy kid before he gets shipped off to Tokyo where um he's trying to win you know basically he's trying to win some blonde girl or whatever and it all goes badly and he ends up rolling his car or whatever and he just thinks he's a boy like and then to see him in this movie i'm just like he's like turning some sort of farmer scientist or something or other like i'm confused well What's but going? they they I made mean, fun uh, of him because the other guy was the rocket scientist uh but he Tuba. came out with the remote control thing like uh, yeah so he's like, the mechanic and the other guy was the scientist um I still don't know what role Bow Wow plays, or excuse me, Shad Moss. Um, so yeah, no, I would have, I would have ditched those guys completely. But I mean, I guess like if if you ditch that whole sequence and you have to ditch the whole rocket car thing, which well, now, you needed that. That was the setup. Yeah, for later. that's a setup for that. But yeah, I. I but then, but then the- again, if if they cut that bit out, it kind of falls into what I would have cut out, which is the entire space scene, honestly. Yeah. I would have cut that out 100%. So we could cut out your Germany scene. We could cut out the space scene. <laughs> like, um, honestly, I'd, I'd, I'd be honest, I, I tried to w- not watch too many trailers of this film. I did catch bits here and there. And I never saw a single trailer. Well, I saw a few here and there, but or bits, or bits of ones or whatever. But I tried to not really watch them too much. But anyway, I'd heard for ages that they were potentially oh, yeah, going to space. Going to space. And I really kept thinking, saying, I think it's, I really hope that's a joke. I know that these films are over the top, but there was just no need to send them to space. There was yeah. no need. Now, my only thing about it would be throughout the film, they've been going along the lines of that Roman believed he was invincible, mm-hmm. that he couldn't die. And they did this about, I know they did it in like five times. Two, was it five times they did it? it so was, they, they, yes. Like they did it loads. They and I and in the end, I thought to myself, they're doing this deliberately. They're setting it up so they can kill him off. They're bringing it like, and I thought, this is where they're going with this. I thought, this is what you do. You kind of build it up, get it in the audience's head for some reason or other. He ain't gonna die. He's untouchable. Blah blah blah. And I thought they're setting it up for his death. <clears throat> so when he's in space and he's like, look, we've got another choice but to ram that satellite. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> they're gonna kill. I actually, I actually thought, I know, I actually thought they're gonna kill him off. I was like, hundred percent. I was like, I don't know if Ted is gonna get get gonna die. Like, but I thought somehow Roman's not gonna make it out of this. 
And when he did, I was like, no, I was like, <laughs> you've literally spent the entire movie telling us about how he's invincible. He doesn't die from anything. You know, he's got a jacket that's got about a million bullet holes on it, but nope, he's all right. You know, right at the very beginning when they went to the um, site when Miss Nobody crashed, he gets out. He, he literally, bullets are flying everywhere. He must have had some sort of shield around him, invisible <laughs> shield. Literally, like, bullets are like, you know, they're kind of hitting him and bouncing off, you know. It's like... And um and so when it when when he's like right well, we're gonna have to drive into the satellite I was like wow they're gonna actually kill Roman off I I actually thought that's what's gonna happen genuinely thought they're gonna kill Roman off um and then Roman survived so I was like oh, you literally spent the entire <laughs> you sound film so disappointed well no only because to me I felt like they had built up the entire film around mm-hmm. his death and then and then it doesn't happen so I was like okay what why do you, why have you been telling us the whole film that he's invincible and then you're not taking that away from us that's what everybody else would do so and then he he turns out he is invincible he can bloody survive driving a car through a satellite and it blows up but yet somehow they get out of their thingy their little costume and then they hop on the international space station yeah yeah and then they somehow somehow have made it from a crash site outside i mean have you seen the film gravity with sandra bollock yep there's no way they just rolled over to the international space station oh i have thoughts I have so many thoughts about that entire space sequence. Like I, I have like, I have friends that train astronauts at NASA. Like that whole sequence. I was like, first of all, with, with those makeshift suits, like y'all would have passed out before you got to orbit just from the G force of trying to get that. They they were fine. I know. I thought that as well. I thought that they would have been unconscious. Yeah. You would have been, you would have literally been unconscious a because you've never trained in G force in the first place. Like, like Mm. uh, that whole, they might've been asleep for a good half an hour. I get it. I mean, I get it. Like everything is over the top. Like don't read too much into it. It it fit with the plot that they were going with. Yes, it did. But like taking that out of context, it was completely ridiculous. I think the we had lost with... that part. And if they had just waited for the satellite upload to happen and then like launched a missile at the satellite, that probably would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, 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 something like that. I think, I think to be honest, the trouble is with these films is that every movie they're trying to up themselves. Yeah, yeah. So then they probably, when they were like, right, okay, what are we going to do to top Fast 8? Right, I know. We're going to send them to space. I'm just yeah. really concerned about Fast 11. Like, oh, we're going to Mars. Yep. We're going like, to Mars. They're gonna they're gonna race on the moon. Hell the yeah. Or oh like, man, like, can you imagine racing on the moon with, oh. with that low gravity? Hell yeah. Well, uh, okay, you so uh, sidetrack, like what of of the entire 20 years of films, do you have a favorite like sequence? Like action sequence, action set piece from any of the films? You know, I actually have to say I love the scene with the rock and Vin Diesel when they're um Oh, where are they? Is it the Dominican Republic? Where is it? Where are they? Where um, is it Brazil? It's Brazil, isn't it? Like they were, they're running on top of the houses. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say, I I literally, I thought that was pretty good. That scene when they're like, where the rock is on the side of the lawn, and at this point they're criminals still on the run. Yeah. Um, the other scene I loved was I think it was the end of Fast Four where Vin Diesel's on the bus and like Georgiana Brewster, Paul Walker and all that, their cars all circle the um, the prison bus. And that's how the film ends. And what I love is like the next film starts literally like with that, taking down that bus. Um, I, I love that. That's probably in terms of cut street races was like one of my favorites. What about you? 
Um, actually, the going back to Brazil, my favorite sequence in all of the films is when they are driving through the streets with a oh, fucking safe. safe between the yeah. two cars. Yes, that is that is a good scene too. Oh my god, I love it so much. It's like so ridiculous and so over the top. And and the only thing that came close to that scene for me was the magnet cars in this film. Surprisingly, like I loved when they turned those magnets to the negative polarity and all the other cars just like bounced off of them that was that that sequence was really cool so the driving through the streets with the safe in the fifth movie and then the magnet cars in this movie got to be my two my two tops so obviously production on this movie was obviously high like you know there's no getting away from that they spent loads of money on this and cgi like a 300 million dollar movie and and they filmed in multiple locations los angeles edinburgh london thailand just to name a few others, you know, um, Phuket, Georgia, like, you know, there was just everywhere. Like, I mean, where weren't they when they made this film? Right. Um, my favourite place, so they filmed the location was Edinburgh, though, just seeing, uh, you don't often see, yeah, like, anything in Edinburgh. Like, I mean, I know Scottish people now, right now, I walk around, I guess you do. No, but what I mean is you don't, it's the same, I always say the same thing, though, about, like, um, in general, like, any kind of big block that's filmed the yeah. uk when really when it, helen know. mirren was driving through the streets of london i was like oh, i bet mark loved this scene <laughs> mm, i wasn't overly keen on it i just felt that she didn't need to necessarily be in the movie I, well, of but... course not but i love the banter between her and vin diesel i just oh, yeah, I I love was... love the way that they talk to each other and they're like it's all, almost like a mother-son kind of chemistry you're, like well, you're my favorite american yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no, my favorite locations i, I was actually really I thought it was really cool about the, the sort of the varied locations. But I actually my, really kind of love the jungles in Mexico. Yeah, like there was, there was, you know, it was just so nice to see it just mm. everywhere. Like just, just you know, it was just, it was a really cool film to see, not just set in one place. And, yeah, but again, um, that's like you said at the beginning. That's why you go to the movies to see stuff like this to see these mm. exotic locations that ninety percent of the people watching are never ever going to see for themselves. Like that's what this kind of stuff is made for: big, landscapes, yeah, about- big explosions, all that stuff. I always say that to you about New York because I love New York. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. I live in live in the UK, so I can go to. I've been to New York twice in my life. I'm dead sure I'll go there again. Um, I love New York, but yeah, like whenever there's anything with New York in it, I, I love it. Like New York's like a character in itself. So yeah. um, I don't think they've ever done anything in New York actually. So from memory, Mm-mm. no, because uh, the original setting is LA. Yeah, no, but I mean, obviously they go they go to lots of other places now, yeah. but. Um, what would you think about how the movie ended? I mean, it was to be expected. Um, only uh, there's very few people that stay villains by the time the movie is over with. And Charlize Theron is so far one of the only ones that actually has been a villain throughout multiple films. Um, also I just have to say on, on Charlize Theron, like, the woman is amazing. Like she made that Three Stooges bowl haircut look fantastic. And that takes a like I have no idea how you can even do that. Um, but I feel like they had to have filmed this right before they filmed Old Guard, since it this was a, a year behind. So she has a very similar cut to what she had in Old Guard. Um, but she's great. I would love it if she became like the ultimate big bad uh for the franchise because Yeah, that's why I thought, yeah. I think she's ruthless i think she's very calculating um she's smarmy she but she's also charming 
she's she's really a perfect villain and she's the perfect foil for these kinds of characters because she's so far outside of the box that it makes sense for this ragtag team of outside of the box people to be pit against her so yeah so like you i i thought it was inevitable that we were going to have um jacob with a k switch into the side (laughs) of the light um I, I think, though, that it was good that he didn't end up at the barbecue at the end of the film. Yeah, no, it's too soon. I think that, that, that would have been going too far. He kind of drove off and did his own thing. Yeah. But I, when he was driving off, though, like, like, like not giving an S, like, he does double back and he comes and saves the day with his brother. And yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. But the bit I thought was really cool was when um, Cypher, we believe, is in a pla- like some sort of jet plane thing fighting mm. fighting um uh dom and you know, and, we're, and then he manages to flip some truck or something and then it go it goes obviously it flings up into the air to hit the jet and then you hear her go like oh shit or whatever and then and then suddenly after the explosion she gets out of some um, simulator so simulator yeah and i was like well, this woman just not die. No, no, she ain't going nowhere. I, I know, I know. But I did think that was a cool twist. I did like that. I thought that was a cool twist. I thought I didn't see it coming that she'd be in a simulator. Yeah. Um. So I was pretty pleased with that. But like you say, I I, I was going to talk about this in a minute, but in terms of what what's next for these films, I actually, because we know we've got two more, we've got 10 and 11. Yeah. Um, I'm actually thinking that she is going to be movie 11's takedown for she, them. I mean like, she, she has is, to be because be it, it used to be like Deckard Shaw right like he was yeah. he was the first one that was kind of like oh you're bad in more than one film um, but then even he kind of came around so I don't think that she's going to get that treatment and rightfully so I don't think that I mean I, you know I, I don't think you can give every villain that treatment because every villain doesn't have the same motivation and she seems like the type of villain that is not swayed by family that's not swayed by any kind of intangible thing. Like she's very driven, like very results driven. Um, but, but that's what makes her so great. And I love it because a lot of times you don't get to see women take on a villain role. That is that sort of overbearing and sinister because a lot of the times women are villains because they've been slighted in romance or they have lost a child, or it is always something related to family that has been lost. Whereas with her character, it literally could have been written for a man and they just cast her in it instead. Um, And that's what I love so much about Cypher is that like, like in, in the film that she originated in, like she literally shot a woman that, that had just had a baby. Like, you know what I mean? Like she just didn't give a shit. And that's that's what makes oh man I love I love villains villain villains are the best I yeah, almost love the villain, villains yeah. more than the heroes but she's <laughs> such a good bad guy um, so I'm excited to see where they go with her because um, I also feel like this is definitely not the end for Mister Nobody there was nobody to be oh, found no, no, no. in that plane crash so Mister Nobody is definitely making a comeback so that's obviously going to be probably a follow up as well into Secret Territory mm-hmm. probably just quickly. Really- summarize this a little bit more but brian obviously is hanging over this franchise still of course uh, and i thought like because we've kind of not had him or georgiana brewster's character sorry georgiana brewster's character uh, mere in in the last couple of films i didn't think we'd see her back again so bringing her back they obviously just said that you know brian's looking after all the kids yes he's the babysitter yeah yeah and, <laughs> and let's be honest 
there's no way like that's to, yeah there's no way paul walker right um brian sorry his character brian was sitting on the side brian would never have done that like 100 yeah. percent, brian would never have done that i know we just have to take a bit of poetic license here because we, we can't we can't get brian right. um but i did think it was a nice touch that they said brian's on the way and then yeah. you see a car driving and put into the drop and of like, course it was a foreign car when everybody else yeah. was driving like that him and that subaru so yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a nice touch to have that in there. But um, what do you think about the mid-credits scene, though, like with um, Jason Statham? I, I thought it was pretty cool that he wasn't in the whole film and they just had him yeah. in it for like a, like a moment. Well, I'm still interested. Like they explained away faking Han's death, but but to their credit, they did not explain why Deckard Shaw killed Han other than he was just trying to get at uh get back at Dom or something like that so like is there really a beef between Han and Deckard or like what's what's the real deal so I'm I'm interested to see what the story is behind that um but I mean I really do like Jason Statham so if if he kind of comes back, then I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I actually have to say, like, I love The Rock and I love Jason Statham, and it's been good to have them in the last few films. But I actually liked them not being in this film, yes. and not because I don't like them, but there was one. There was a such a big cast, yeah. And The Rock and Jason Statham are big actors. Right. Like they they would have wanted as much screen time as Dom and right. um probably Dom probably had the most screen time I don't know but like they would have wanted a good chunk because that because they are big actors they're big right. name actors and they would have wanted to negotiate that as part of their contract to have yeah you know as much screen time probably as Dom. Yeah. And I actually think having that taken out was actually really like really important to this movie. Yes, and, I agree. And I and I, I I love them in Hobbs and Shaw, and I hope that continues with the with the little mid credit sequence. Though bringing yeah. Jason Statham back into it, though, oh, is he going to come back into the main franchise? I mean, obviously, we don't know if The Rock and Jason Statham will come back for for Fast Eleven. Um, I'm presuming that Jason Statham will be in the second one, though, even if it's just sort of minimally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to know what Han's going to say. Is he is he showing yeah. up there to kick his ass? Like you know, or- I don't think so. Uh, or is it gonna be is it like, is hey it man, gonna be long time no see like, that's what i was literally about to say i bet you any money the whole time jason statham deliberately pretended to kill him off it was a setup yeah because that and that that will make because it was this whole you know justice for harm thing is it going to be that actually jason Statham's character was actually part of mr nobody's plot and that's Could why be. he even did it yeah, I bet you that's what it is. Uh, like, and, he, and then he shows up, he probably like shakes his hand, man. Like, yeah, like you say, long time no see, man. Uh, yeah. You're going to let us in for a beer? Uh, yeah. So that, Before we wrap I, it up, though, I, I want to ask you about flashbacks because flashbacks has been a theme that we've been talking about through since April with a lot of our podcasts. Um, hmm. So when this, when this movie opens, it opens in the past. Hmm. And at first I was like, where are we? Um, and then you kind of get like the backstory of Dom and Jacob and their father and racing on the tracks. And I actually really, really enjoyed the flashbacks in this film because I don't think that it added anything to the characters. And I don't think that they were really giving us more information other than like how their father actually died. 
but like, I don't think they were giving us information that we didn't already have. So it didn't feel like cheating to me. Um, and instead it felt more like an homage, like this is, you know, we're doing this for you guys, basically. Like this is just fan service. Um, because like, as soon as they flash back and I realized what we were looking at, I was like, well, I know that their dad dies. Well, that the dad dies. And then I know that Vin Diesel beat the shit out of the guy with a wrench. So like, I know what plays out here, but how do we, how do we get here? Um, so I really love that they didn't, they literally didn't change any of the story. They just added new bits to the mm. original backstory. But I just, I really enjoyed the flashbacks. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with the actor that was uh, playing young Ben Diesel. I thought he was just really great, Benny Bennett. So my thoughts on this actually, like like say, the first flashback when it happened, I assume that was it for the film. Mm-hmm. But I, I did recognize, so I did recognize obviously the dad and, and I, so I've, I've seen him in a few things, but it was more uh, young Jacob, who I'm a lot more familiar with, um, mm-hmm. like I say, from Piggy Blind and stuff like that. I thought they're quite big. I thought he, he's quite a big, t- I, I did recognize him. I knew he was on TV. I couldn't think from where, but he's quite a big TV actor. And I thought he's coming for one scene. I thought, okay, maybe this is what he's just hoping for his big break. But then actually we kept jumping back in time and, yeah. and fleshing that more out. And do you know what I started thinking was um, if they can give John Cena a TV series in HBO Max where he's playing Peacemaker. Unless, mm-hmm. I mean, I've no idea if that's going to be interesting or not. But I actually started to go through my mind was, and like, and this is in the day and age of of TVs, like WandaVision, mm-hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, TV having spin-offs that then link back with movies. How cool would it be if actually, like, I don't know, HBO Max or someone did a Fast and the Furious prequel like just a mini series, not an ongoing, yeah, but just a mini series where actually we got the same actors and kind of actually fleshed that out more. Because um, because I did enjoy I did enjoy those um, flashback scenes. I didn't necessarily think they were potentially the right actors who 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 were similar in terms of Vin Diesel and John Cena, but I did enjoy I did enjoy it. And I thought, you know, if they did like I don't know, no more than six episodes sort of fast and the furious sort of origins brought in a young Mia though. I probably would, I probably would watch that. Like, I'd be quite interested in that. Cause for me, it would be bringing it back to basics again, you know, mm-hmm. street races, no going to the moon and riding on a fucking penny farthing <laughs> on the moon or, or whatever they want to do. Um, but, but yeah, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens because these guys are petty and I love a good petty, like throwdown. Young Rock, which obviously is produced by Dwayne Johnson. Young Rock is a really well-received show. People seem to really love it. I would not at all be surprised if we get a Fast and Furious prequel series to kind of compete against. Like, Not that it's going to be on network like Young Rock is, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we had a series with these characters that goes back to, back to basics. Narrated by Vin Diesel or something like yes, that. Yes, of course. Uh, uh, well, maybe narrated by John Cena and Vin Diesel. Well, yeah. would he want to get? Would he want to share that? But I know. Um, anyway, so overall, I enjoyed it. What would you rate it? Uh, four. I give it a four. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I, I, part of me is like, when I first walked out, I was like, yeah, five, five. But <laughs> I pro- no, but I probably would go with the four only because I didn't really like John Cena. I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I probably would have a few beers with him. 
I think you'll change I your opinion when you see fit. Suicide Squad. I know. I am hoping that he's good in that. I am. I, I'm concerned about him, but we'll see. So anyway, so next week's episode, we will be reviewing the first volume of Shadow Service from Vault Comics. And I look forward to reading it. Yeah, it looks interesting. Um, and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our seventh Late to the Party Book Club episode was They Called Us Enemy by George Takei, Justin Isinger, and Steve Scott with art by Harmony Becker. That episode dropped at the end of May. Our book club took the month of June off, but we are back at it in July. And our book of the month will be The Killing Joke. You can also follow Geeks Unleashed everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We're there. MySpace, whatever it is. Yeah, we're totally on FaceSpace. Totally. Yeah, yeah, all of those. FaceSpace in my book. You can find us there. Yeah. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are there too. So give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you for listening to us break down Fast 9 and see you next week. Bye.